I dislike the Andrew Tates of the world and some of these red pill people who've come up in recent years. Instead what happens is, well men have it really hard or, or women have it really hard, let's hate the opposite sex. Also what these people are doing, some of the people that we're discussing, is they're monetizing resentment. Any ideology that wants to push men and women apart is cancer. Half of the core pieces of advice that some of these people are giving, like for example, test your girlfriend, cheat on her. <laughs> in what in what world in what world is that is that logical to anybody? Hey guys, trigonometry needs your help. We took a big risk creating the show, and for us to keep doing the incredible work that you all love, we need your support. That's the only way we're going to stay independent and create content that you won't be able to find anywhere else. There is no other podcast where you'll hear interviews with Nigel Farage one week and the next week you've got Aaron Bastani, the founder of left-wing show Navara Media, on the same platform. You know the mainstream media aren't honest. You know they've been caught lying again and again. You know they can't be trusted. The only way to change that is to make a stand and support independent content creators like Trigonometry to produce better and more honest content. We have big plans and we'll shortly be announcing exciting new shows and more terrific interviews with huge guests. That isn't going to happen without your help. When you support us, you also get incredible extra content, such as extended interviews with none of those irritating adverts, and they'll be released 24 hours early just for you. We'll have exclusive bonus interviews that only you get to hear. Click the link on the podcast description or find the link on your podcast listening app to join us. Support us and help change the way we have conversations and make the world saner. Sydney, welcome to the show. It's awesome to have you here. Thanks for coming all the way over. Uh, before we get into the conversation, who are you? How are you? Where you are? What has been the journey through life that leads you to be sitting here talking to I us? I never know how to answer that when people say broadly, like, give me, your, give me your story. The long and short of it is that I started off in the political realm in Australia. I made a video back in 2018 that went viral and then very quickly got picked up by Sky News Australia, which you guys should be very familiar with Sky News because you yes. have that in the UK, yeah. Um, and Sky News Australia is considerably more right-wing yeah. than maybe what you guys are used to. Yes. And that kind of just went from that point and what where was the video that went viral? It was about how you can't compare American and Australian gun control laws or anything related to gun control in, in the two countries because they're so different. Because um, people have this weird philosophy when it comes to gun control in the United States when they're anti-gun control. They try to emulate Australia, but it's not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. So I wanted to point that out. It angered, it angered Australians tremendously. And so I got a ton of uh, pushback and, and hate. And it was really interesting because it was the first time I thought, mm, online vitriol maybe is not for me. Um, and then I kind of just went from there where I kept making content, I kept growing, I kept getting bigger, and then I thought I need to do something more with this. And so I moved to the US and then was in DC for a period, which is an awful place to live. Have you guys visited DC? We have yeah. a couple so of times, know, yeah. It's I, don't, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. it's, it's interesting to visit, but I definitely would not want to live there. No, no, yeah, well, that's, well, neither. That's why I moved. It was at the sort of the beginning of the pandemic. I saw the writing on the wall and I was like, oh God, they're not going to let us leave our homes or anything like that. I'm not going to do this. So then I moved to Texas and here I am still plodding along on the internet. Lovely. Yeah. So you talk a lot about being conservative, being right wing. But what I find very interesting, Sydney, is these words mean very different things in countries. 
So what does it mean to be right-wing or conservative in Australia as opposed to here? It's actually, that is a very challenging question to answer as well, because I don't even think that Australians know what being right-wing is. Because I think that, again, everyone tries to hold it up to the American standard, which is this Christian, hyper-conservative, like small family units, nuclear family, uh, you know, you go to church on Sunday type of thing, and you believe that it's sort of like God, guns, and... I don't know what the third thing would be, beer? I don't know. <laughs> God, God, guns, and uh, barbecue. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, we've got the barbecue thing down. Oh, yeah, you do. That's the <laughs> barbie, mate. Yeah. We're about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I, it's, that's, that is so hard to answer because, again, if, you, if I were to be speaking to a conservative Australian, yeah. we probably wouldn't align very much because they are very much, and Aussies will get so mad at me for saying this, they're very much about like Britain and the crown. They're almost like monarchists in a way. Uh, whereas I think if you're just generally right-wing in Australia, you're more pro-small government, I guess, greater emphasis on freedom, but they're still nowhere near where Americans are at. There's just a lot of different social things that Australians don't actually care about. And do you find yourself aligning more with the American right? Is that why you came to America? Because you saw the values that the American right has and thought, well, these align more with my worldview, therefore I want to be here. Yeah, uh, to an extent, I think. I mean, I grew up in a household with a mum who's from the US and she grew up as in this very um, strict Catholic household where there was nine billion children and you know, I guess my grandparents didn't have a tremendous amount of time for her. And so she kind of wanted to give my brother and me the freedom that she never had growing up. So while we had instilled in us the same value system that my mom had, which you could argue is more of like a, you know, Christian conservative value system, we still had my dad on the other side of things who's not that. Yeah. Uh, he's like a country boy that's, you know, from rural WA, rural Western Australia, and just is kind of like, yeah, she'll be right. And so when I moved to America, I felt like I fit in a lot, but I'm realizing I, I don't in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. I'm an atheist, for example. Like that seems to be such a, such a weird thing that some Americans have trouble wrapping their heads around because they think that if you don't follow their, you know, ideological value system, then you must be against them, which is really disappointing. And I really dislike that about living in the United States. And it's not, not all Christians are like that. Like lots of them are so warm and loving. Like tomorrow I'm going to go to church with one of my girlfriends because she's like, as long as you're in town, we should go to church. And I was like, okay, as long as they don't burst into flame walking through the door. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, there's things that there's things about living in America that have made the move easier. And that's why I did move. Yes. But then there's other things I've realized over time that I'm like, wow, nope, I'm definitely, definitely not a yank. That's so interesting. I mean, one of the things I've noticed is you actually don't talk that much about politics nowadays. You talk about societal issues and yeah. things to do, particularly with women, which I actually find very interesting. Yeah. You did a video about birth control, mm -hmm. and I see a lot of people, we've had Louise Perry on the show, Mary Harrington on the show, um, and people are starting to, I think, recognize that the, the pill in particular yeah. is having and has had over a long period of time now very significant effects on society. Can you talk to us about that? So for me personally, without getting into too much detail, um, I was on birth control for a very long time, for many, many, many years. And when I was coming off of it, because there was no necessity in taking it, I thought, okay, this will be easy. You just come off of it, it's all straightforward, and you know, you're done and dusted. Lo and behold, it's not. And it's not a simple, you just stop taking it one day and everything goes back to normal. Your body has changed 
after being on it for so long. And what I realized talking to other girlfriends of mine was that they also were experiencing these awful, awful side effects of being on birth control. And so you almost- Sorry, Sydney, like when we talk about side effects, what are we talking about here? So for example, there's a myth that if you are taking birth control for your skin, for example, and you come off of birth control, your skin will continue to be fine. For me and for many other women that I know, your skin goes crazy and it stays crazy. Some women, it doesn't, and they go back to normal, so to speak. For me, my skin has never been the same. Um, there's issues with libido that a lot of women face. So they basically experience either a complete drop-off, where in a way, and I hate to use terminology because I know that it's, it's, it's like so steeped in leftism these days, but they almost experience like an asexualness where they're just totally disinterested. And not for lack of wanting to be interested. They want to be with their partners and they want to be invested in that, but they're just not. And even I was researching recently because I thought, surely there's supplements and things that you can take to sort of circumvent and combat some of the effects um, in the body from taking the pill. And even I was reading that there's a thing called the sex binding hemoglobin that you have at a four times higher rate that's made in the liver when you stop taking birth control. And we have it at a higher rate than women who've never taken it. And I thought, it's just, it's so sad to me that no one walks you through these things. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wanted to talk about the pill uh, initially when I started making, well, I've made one video about it. I have a couple others planned. And it's because I feel like women aren't told from the outset what the negative side effects could potentially be. I mean, it's sort of sold as this lifestyle drug. Oh, you take it for your skin, you take it because you might, you know, you might want bigger breasts or whatever the case is. And I'm not sure how I feel about women doing it for, you know, purely aesthetic reasons, but um, no one, no doctor that I have ever spoken to has been like, oh yeah, it will totally mess with you and it changes things. No one ever says that. And I think we're just being so let down by, by society in this capacity. It makes me really sad. Well, Mary Harrington, I think, made the point that when we had her on the show that the main effect, the main sort of method of action of this birth control was that it made her not want to have sex. Well, that's it. It kills your libido. It just destroys it. And you go, so wait a minute, I'm taking this thing every day, this like big chunk of, you know, uh, of hormones to stop me from getting pregnant so that I can have, you know, not casual sex, but, you know, freer sex, so to speak. And yet I'm totally disinterested and I do not care about the opposite sex. Because that's where you get to with it. Your brain, you, it's like you look at men and you just think, I, like, I'm, I'm, you know, a straight heterosexual woman. I love men. I think they're wonderful. But, you know, there was a period where I was like, I don't care if I ever interact with one physically ever again. The pill made you a feminist. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. I was like, yeah, let's grow the armpit hair. <laughs> It's grim, though. It's so grim. And then, you know, I think back to the doctor who prescribed this to me when I was 18, 17, 18. And I think, could you just not have warned me just slightly? You know, there, there's I think doctors are letting people down quite a lot, especially female doctors. They should know better. Yeah, it's a great point because we don't talk about the side effects of the pill. No. And it just seems that the moment a woman in the West reaches a certain age, yep. that's seen as a de facto thing to do. Yeah. It's like the responsible thing, right? And if you don't do it, if you don't participate in taking these hormones, then you're seen as sexually, um, what's the word? Irresponsible. Yeah. And it's, it's also is that people have underlying conditions mm -hmm. that if they take the pill, that might mean that then they're more prone to getting cancer, for instance, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And because we don't know, well, certainly in the UK where we don't screen people properly, mm -hmm. 
you know, you're just taking this, this thing without being aware that actually it could have some pretty dire side effects for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't judge women who take it for like, say, polycystic ovary syndrome or for, you know, really, really, really heavy periods and things like that. I think there are some women who do benefit from it, um, whose systems were very out of whack from the outset. And so having these hormones regulating whatever's going on. I mean, I, I can support that to a large extent. What I think is sad about even that though, is that it's just masking symptoms of an, that, rather than looking at the underlying reason. And obviously that's not for everybody, but it is for a large portion of girls. I know women who, who are on the pill for polycystic ovary syndrome. And I've said to them, like, have you explored like other avenues potentially that might be more beneficial to you than just taking this little pill every day that might cause you to have other effects. And, and I guess it's the weighing up thing, right? These women weigh it up and they go, no, I want to combat the side effects that come or, you know, the, the horrible symptoms that come along with these conditions. It's worth it to me. Whereas personally, like looking back, I, w I wish I'd never done it. I wish I'd never done it. Does it change how you think? Yeah, totally. Oh, yes, absolutely. When you come off of the pill, it's, it's quite crazy like the brain fog lifts and you're suddenly able to think rationally. My mom would always make the joke that I was perfect as a teenager until I turned 17, 18, and then I went crazy. And that coincides with me starting to take birth control. And I know that she's correct <laughs> to a large extent, it's so sad to say, but I was a lunatic. I, it was like I couldn't regulate my own feelings. And so I was just this crazy person walking around. And then when I stopped taking it, I noticed that I just became a person again. I was able to think clearly, I could interact, I could articulate myself, and I hadn't had that for a really long time. Because birth control actually changes as well the type of men that you find attractive. Yeah, yeah. There's um, some, some scientific research uh, about pheromones and things like that, so that if you... I mean, there's, there's one, I'm trying to not butcher the language that these actual scientists have used, um, but there was a woman whose name is Sarah Hill, I believe. Um, and she wrote a book about this and also did a really great TED talk that everyone should watch. Um, and she basically says that estrogen loves testosterone. So if you have a high mm -hmm. level of estrogen, I mean, like these, these things will dictate, mm -hmm. these particular hormones will dictate what kind of partner you find attractive. And so women who are on the pill, they've found um, in some of these studies that these women will find men with lower or fewer testosterone markers, which is so interesting to me. So I love telling my boyfriend, I would say like, well, this is why I love you now, because you know, I'm not on the pill. So that means you're a nice masculine boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he likes that. Very flattering for him. <laughs> but it kind of says a lot potentially about the direction of society. Yeah. Uh, and we know testosterone levels in men are dropping with every generation. I anyway. wonder if that's related though. Like I've thought about this a lot where you have a lot of uh, estrogen, I think, in the environment. Mm -hmm. and, and there's some crazy conspiracy theories about how there's estrogen in the water because women take the pill and all these type of things. I don't know how I feel about any of that. It's turning the frogs gay. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> turning the men gay. Yeah. No, so I, I wonder if there is a correlation and a relationship there because if women are selecting partners who are less masculine, so to speak, it's obviously not that straightforward, but so to speak, would that mean that men then are adapting to that and becoming in and of themselves less masculine? That creates an evolutionary pressure, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if that's a completely crazy, I don't think that's that crazy to put out on the table. Yeah. No. I actually, by the way, I know the fact that it came from Alex Jones wasn't helpful, but the frog's gay thing, 
I mean, there is some truth to the fact that there's more estrogen in the environment and that changes yeah. Yeah. a lot of things. A lot of people put it down to our overuse of microplastics. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of reasons um, for the, I guess, current makeup. I don't know the correct terminology. Um, you know, when it comes to the hormones in the environment. And yes, you're exactly right. Like microplastics are a big one. There was a one specific chemical, though, that was relating to turning the frogs gay. And it's like now a certified, yes, this is the effect that this has on the environment, but I can't remember which one it was. I think it was with an A. I don't know. Well, the frog LGBTQ <laughs> community's got to be very happy with that. <laughs> Pump more of that into the water. Absolutely. Uh, Sydney, but we're talking about men and women, which is a really interesting subject as yeah. well. Uh, and I know you, you have some views on how men are portrayed in society and all of that. And that, that was something we wanted to talk to you about as well. Yeah, um, I think my views have shifted quite significantly in the last You've had some recent years. experiences. Um, yeah, yeah. I used to be I used to be aggressively pro men to the exclusion of women. I think in some sense, I used to think that I was quite moderate on a lot of issues. And now looking back and seeing some of the people who've entered the red pill space and trying to comp compare myself to them, I think I hope I never sounded like this because mm. this is really yucky and unhelpful. Um, but yeah, no, I, the reason I care about men's issues is because I think that a lot of them get brushed aside and brushed under the rug uh, because there is this prevailing attitude that men do have to be the strong, silent types. And I don't know how helpful that is. But equally, I think that if you let that run too far, like the over, it's so hard to articulate, the over, the over support of some of these issues can in turn just lead to can I swear on your show? You can. Yes. Just shitting on women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's not even a strong swear. I can't no. believe she checked. I thought she. I thought the the the, the cunt was going to come out. Yeah, I mean, exactly. she's, she's an Aussie. Oh, I'm mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's oh. Shitting. I mean, that's not even. That's oh. me in the car. I'll be driving like. Yeah, seriously, like Australian women are basically men with more empathy. Like yeah. some of the things that I've just that I've been told by Australian women, I'm like, oh my. Like what? No, 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 no let's not go you, there. You don't want to hear this story. <laughs> no, I promise you, no. it's horrific. It's horrific. Oh, so you met an Australian who said something oh, yeah, crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Absolutely. God. Yeah, you know, no hold bar. No that's holds. not uncommon though. So when you get okay, you guys are from the UK, where yeah. I feel like your crazy people are way worse than our crazy people. By I, you mean Aussies? Yeah. Yeah, but I think what Francis and I are saying is, on average, your society is more crazy than the UK yeah. one. I don't know about Maybe that. Maybe at the extreme level, yeah. at the tail ends, you may be... Uh, no, you, may, you know what? Form. You're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah. No. My, mm. And look, Dan, look, Dan Andrews, I mean, God bless his cottons, but if that was mental... What went on in Melbourne was absolutely... He's gone now. They, he, yeah. he, resigned. Well, he resigned, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, let's come back to the shitting. Yeah. Sorry, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is quite... It's, it's really hard for me to articulate because I think that there's a lot of significant male problems that do deserve the limelight. And they deserve to be considered uniquely and separately to women's issues. I really believe that. And I've seen that in, in practice. You know, mm. there's major issues when it comes to... Um, divorce court, there's major issues when it comes to uh, child custody, there's so many things, male suicide, male loneliness, so many of these things that are, that are just so widely overlooked. And when men complain about it, people go, well, too bad, how sad, you're mm. never going to get preferential treatment here. The trouble, though, is, and this is what I'm noticing, 
when you talk about those things enough, and this is why I dislike the Andrew Tates of the world and some of these red pill people who've come up in recent years, rather than saying men and women have unique problems that must be addressed independently of each other in order to fix them. And some of them, yes, let's support each other and come together on them. Instead, what happens is, well, men have it really hard or, or women have it really hard. Let's hate the opposite sex. Mm. And I hate that. Mm. I hate when feminists do it. I think it's so ridiculously unhelpful because men are wonderful. We need men. Society functions way better when we have men around. And the same goes for women. Mm. You have these people who are like, well, I had a horrible negative experience going through divorce court with my ex-wife, and now I just think all women are garbage trash people who are going to take all of my money. It's like, sir, no. And that's such an odd way of going about viewing the world. It's like you're looking, you're looking behind every corner waiting for someone to just stab you. And I, I, just, I just don't understand why people follow people who make them feel that way. Mm. It's, you it's know, validating their prejudice, I think. Yeah. yeah, and also what these people are doing, some of the people that we're discussing, is they're monetizing resentment. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. That's such a good way of putting it. Basically what they're doing is they're drumming up all this hatred, they're riling up these bases of people who are so lost and angry, yeah. and they're making money off of it. And I'm like, you're so gross. At least when I was making my content, and I still talk about men's issues now, it's just to a lesser extent, because I do feel like women are kind of getting the raw end of the deal in a lot of ways, particularly with, you know, with relation to the trans uh, movement and whatnot. Um, but when I would talk about men's issues, I always tried to make the point of saying, we are just better together. Mm. Yeah. Society just functions way better when men and women can work it out and support each other. This is what I always say. I always uh, I say any ideology and I'm glad you mentioned that it happens on both sides because it does. Any ideology that wants to pretend that men and women are, the relationship between men and women is best described as a conflict. <laughs> Any ideology that wants yeah. to push men and women apart is cancer. It's absolutely toxic. And, the, and there are forms of feminism, not all of them, but there are forms of feminism that do that. And a lot of the red pill stuff that's yes. coming out now, you're just going, it's, and, and, and I'm looking at a lot of these people and, I'm, and what I don't understand is why people don't look at the people who are saying this stuff and go, would I want to be like you? Yeah. Mm. I, well, this is the other thing too. And I'm going to try not to come after my own team too much mm. talking to you guys because I find that one of, the, one of the things I've noticed, and this is why, why I've withdrawn quite significantly from you know the conservative movement because I realized that I don't fit in there, they probably don't want me anyway, so now I'm just kind of this right-wing person who oscillates between libertarian and whatever Welcome else. Welcome to the controlled opposition. That's where we are. Yeah, exactly that's Well, that's why, that's why I was like, at least talking with you guys, I feel comfortable saying this stuff because mm. I know that you are on the same page to an extent, and even if you're not, you won't be buttholes about yeah. disagreeing, whereas I have been in some situations where I've been asked a simple question uh, about these topics. I answer it as to the best of my ability um, without trying to insult anybody or be unkind or whatever the case. And people act like I have just burned down their house. And I just think, it, how, how as a society are we supposed to evolve if we can't talk about the issues even within our own communities? And one of the things that I have noticed recently, and this is one of the very sad things is that a lot of the female, not only commentators, but pundits and whatnot that I know who are on the right, but just girlfriends of mine who are right wing or, you know, conservative, whatever, they're shifting away from, from this ideology because they're like, I'm not wanted here. Like, 
everything gets passed off as me being a problem or this is a problem. And so when you talk about the red pill people and the way that they behave and the way that they sort of postulate and present themselves, you do think, would I want to be like this? And the trouble is that it's exactly like that for some conservative people who, who say all these things on the internet. They say all these things to their audiences. They do their talks and their shows and whatever. And then behind the scenes, they live a completely contradictory life. And I think it's just so ridiculous to me that you're out here trying to divide people so aggressively when you yourself are not even living by the same value system that you try to enforce upon others. And a lot of that, again, comes down to women must be subservient, women must be this, women must be that, don't marry a hoe, don't do all these things. And I think, oh my God, like if people only knew how you behaved in your own time, in your personal life, they would have a completely different perception of all the crap that you're saying. But would they, Sydney, or would they be like, this is our team, Screw the other team. This is no, my boy. Yeah. He's sticking it to them. Probably there's a large portion of people who would still be like that. Um, this is why the Andrew Tate stuff has just totally thrown me for a loop because people always go, well, I want to know when someone's a bad person. And then you have all these people going, well, here's him basically self-reporting that he's mm -hmm. not a great person. I mean, should we not listen to words that have come out of his own face? And they go, no, no, he didn't mean it like that. And they justify, justify, justify. And I go, so how can you fix the issues in your own community if you can't even call out the bad faith actors? We'll be back with Sydney in one minute. But first, we want to tell you about our sponsor, Fume. If you want to break your bad habit, you can forget about having to go cold turkey. There's now a better way. We're talking about fume. It's spelled F-U-M and pronounced fume, which makes no sense anyway. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. You can trade breathing in nasty chemicals for breathing in fresh air. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses delicious flavors. It's a habit you are free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, which gives your fingers something to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. I'll be honest, I didn't know what to expect with fume, but they're actually more flavorful than I thought, and it actually feels fresh. The feel of them is nice, it's well-weighted, perfectly balanced, and they're made from real wood, which feels nice and looks good too. Fume has served over 150,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. There's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfum.com and use code TRIG to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use the code TRIG to save an additional 10% off your order today. Give it a go. It might just help you kick that bad habit. Now, back to the interview. Well, I do find it odd uh, with Andrew Tay because I, I haven't consumed a lot of his content, but I did see him, I saw him once talking about how a father is supposed to be, sort of turn up once a year and be the, and, and whatever, I, but I, that's not a conservative worldview. No, it's not. And the fact that conservatives are embracing that, I find very strange. Defend him uh, so And much. also, 
I mean, I don't remember a time in the history of humanity when being pro-pimping was a conservative position. Like, right? You know, so yeah. so he can do whatever he wants and people can consume his content and I've got no, you know, people can do whatever they want. On the one hand, on the hand, why people who espouse traditional values would back that? That's what I find very strange. Because it justifies the way that they live their own lives behind the scenes. That's why. There's a lot of, are you talking about pundits? Because there's a lot of people, I think, uh, who have quite large audiences on the right who emulate what Tate says, but behind closed doors. And that's a real problem. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be a flawed human being. Like, I'm as flawed as they come. I've done a heap of crap that I look back on and I go, ah, who let me have the f f brain? Who let me out of the house? And it's embarrassing to think back on, but See, I like Andrew to Tate think... is right. You should stay in the house. <laughs> yeah. I should just be chained to the kitchen. Um, it's, well, there you go. He has to, you know, a broken clock is right, what, twice a day? Yeah. Um, but it's, <laughs> I look back on my own life and I go, oh, I've been a moron and I've done moronic things and, mm. and I'm ashamed of some things and, but I think that's like the regular human experience, right? Like who goes through life going, I did everything correctly 100% of the time. Absolutely no one. So I'm not saying that you can't make mistakes or you can't learn from them or you can't even say to your audience, you know, hey, I did this dumb thing. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. Let me tell you about it and let's learn from it and maybe I can help someone along the way. That's also really great and I really love when people do things like that. My, my problem comes with the selling people a bill of false goods. That's yeah. where my issue is. And so I think that's, I just, I really dislike the Andrew Tate phenomenon, phenomena that's happening. I don't like it. And I, I just think it's generally unhelpful. The one thing we should say as well, whatever you think about him is he is a symptom of a problem. Yeah. He's not, it's not his fault that people listen to him. It's the fault of a society that has suppressed healthy masculinity for a yeah. long time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And so he's the one that's prepared to say, this is why Jordan Peterson was successful. Very different characters, by the way. I have a lot more interest in Jordan's Imagine work. Imagine if Jordan just did a stream of his top off smoking cigars. <laughs> Do you, do you find that like I find it so funny how people be like this is so masculine and I'm like this feels like vaguely what what like my gay friends do they sit <laughs> around and are like you've got cute pecs and it's <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean I don't know I don't think that that's like a do dudes do that do guys just like hang out with each other shirtless like smoking cigars like this is the most masculine thing I mean not in Britain <laughs> no, not in Britain no no in Britain we don't do that maybe there's probably some chads in America that <laughs> yeah. sit around smoking cigars in you used to do cigarettes yeah. and disappointment in the UK is that say again you just do cigarettes and disappointment yeah yeah UK? that's yeah. what we do yeah. I can't imagine people in Scunthorpe with their tops off smoking, <laughs> smoking cigars no I don't yeah. see that I, I, I've never seen this in Texas either like I I come into contact with uh, with men all the time my boyfriend has a bunch of male friends that are you know this type of guys and uh, yeah not not a once have I seen any of them shirtless except my boyfriend obviously you know self-explanatory yeah I, I agree with with what Constantine says about Tate and the reason that he rose to prominence is the fact that our culture is it's a vacuum is yeah is a, is broken mm -hmm. but also as well to me it just speaks of men who aren't in control of their lives, are angry, yeah. can't date the women that they want to date. Yeah. And then you've got this guy who goes, well, women are basically whores. And this is <laughs> yeah. what you need to do in order to get one and then punish her. Yes, I agree. Um, and I think there's a, there is a, a big vacuum. And it's funny that you bring up Jordan Peterson because I've had this conversation with male friends of mine where I've said to them, like, give me your take on this. 
I feel like part of the problem is that there was Jordan Peterson, who mm -hmm. people could actually emulate because he's worthy of being emulated. He had good messaging, he had sound messaging, logical messaging. And even if you didn't agree with it 100%, you could still take bits and pieces and make it make sense and be like, okay, this is still applicable to my life. And then he kind of fell off because he obviously had some personal issues going on and whatnot. And then there was this vacuum where men were still being abused socially, but being told that you know the, way that the ways that they behave are not acceptable, that they need to change and shift and do all these sort of things in order to fit in with society. And I think what that speaks to is the fact that there's no male role models that are worthy of replacing like a Jordan Peterson. There's no one who's really stepped up to the plate that has good messaging has a good moral framework, whatever that looks like for the individual, and is able to talk to men at their level. And so instead what you get are these Andrew Tate type figures who have filled that void because no one else could fill it. And so in a way we kind of created this monster ourselves. Oh, definitely, but I actually don't agree with you. I don't think that's the mechanism by which it was created. I think the mechanism by which it's created is you have to be a Milo or an Andrew Tate or a someone like that to pierce all the bullshit that people are gonna throw at you if you advocate for a different worldview than the one that you're supposed to have in society. So for example, a normal person comes along like a Jordan Peterson and think how much shit he took. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's not a surprise that he, he had the personal problems that he had given, look, we are all in the public eye to a much lesser extent. You know what it's like, people coming after you, writing hit pieces about you. Yeah. Imagine that but every day times 100, Yeah. right? That's pretty fucking brutal. So you have to be a psychopath or a sociopath to be able to deal with that. No, you do. Right? And so then people will come along who are just able to ignore that completely and they just, they just go hard every time. Yeah. And I think that's why, because a much more moderate person will likely be destroyed by the system that's there. And it takes someone who, who's just a berserker who's gonna crash through that wall. Well, I also think some of these people have cult leader tendencies and it's they mm, surround yeah. themselves with people who are able to do damage control for them. And so in a way they sort of feel untouchable because when they are criticized, it's it's hard to, again, it's hard to articulate. It's almost like they won't let it, it they won't let it enter their sphere mm -hmm. and they make someone else deal with it. I don't know. I, I, I know a lot about like the Andrew Tate situation and sort of the way that he's, I guess, yeah, protected himself with this group of uh, acolytes, so to speak. Um, and it's really, really disconcerting when you when you read about it. I haven't read anything about well, this. Well, basically with his, um, I can't remember the name of it, his, his like... The real world. No, no, his website where he was basically collecting people and they would pay him to basically get advice on how to do things. From that came about like his core group. I feel like every one of these people, like Fuentes, some of these other people, they have a core group that they surround themselves with. Oh, he calls it the war room, doesn't yes, he? Yes, yes, the yeah. war room, yes. Yeah. So in his war room, that's like a group of trusted people who will basically do a lot of things to make sure that they sort of keep things away from him. They'll say, oh, this person's lying. That He like has bot farms that come out and respond to things when you're critical on the internet. And so they're constantly running interference when there's actual criticism of him. And I notice this a lot because there's a couple of accounts that I follow who constantly try to expose him and put out information. You have all these people who respond to it and go, this is not true, you're lying. They're really good at running their own interference. Yeah, he is, 
he is masterful at what he does and how he has incentivized people to share his content. Yep. To the point where actually it doesn't matter if Andrew gets deplatformed no. because he incentivizes people financially yes. to share his content. And every time they share his content, then someone signs up to his website, they get a percentage or a cut of the fee. Yeah. So actually what he's done from a strategy point of view... It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing that's incredibly worrying is that you look at the message and you go, this is toxic and divisive. Yeah. And you, look, you go free speech, free speech, free speech, of course, of course, of course. But when it affects young boys and some of them as young as 12 yeah. who are getting inculcated with this stuff... Yep. It's incredibly worrying. Yeah, I saw a thing the other day that someone had posted. It was a woman who'd made a TikTok basically talking about how she broke up with her boyfriend because he was getting too into the red pill sphere. And all these people were saying, well, that guy dodged a bullet and all this type of thing. And some of what she was saying was crazy. Like, I admit that. And I watched it and I thought, I, like, I, I've seen this dynamic actually play out in my personal life with friends of mine mm -hmm. who have broken up with guys. And it's like, what went wrong? Oh, well, suddenly he had all these bizarre opinions about how our relationship should be. And you go, well, where, what's the origin of those opinions? Oh, well, he's been consuming this person's content, this person's content. And so I just think the general, <laughs> <laughs> the, the general disrespect that gets facilitated between the sexes because of this really, really disturbs me. Like, I, I feel so lucky in so many ways that the man that I have chosen to do life with doesn't engage with any of this. The only person that he watches is Rogan and Ben Shapiro. That's it. He doesn't care about anybody else. He doesn't want to listen. I tell him the things that I read on the internet, and he goes, that is batshit. People think that. I'm like, yeah, oh my goodness. Like, here, listen. And he's like, oh, God. Well, this is the thing I was saying earlier, which is I think the way that you've you got to choose your heroes carefully. Yeah. And the way to choose your heroes is to achieve the life that they have. Yeah. When I look at Rogan, happily married, two kids, mm -hmm. very successful, great friendships, yeah. built a scene here. And, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful guy, very kind, very generous. Shapiro, family, family guy. Like, that's, that's what I want. Yeah. Right? That's what I always wanted. Same. And yeah. so to me, if that's... I don't want Andrew Tate's life. I've never wanted that. No. Uh, I don't want Pearl's life or, or any other... Or any oh, others. yeah, I forgot that you guys <laughs> interviewed her. Yeah. We did. Yeah, we did. Oh, that was, was that fun? Did you love that? You know what? Uh, we didn't really know what to expect. It was one of those where we... Uh, we normally vet our guests quite carefully to work out whether they're a good fit for the show. And this one was a good friend of mine was like, you should have this person on. And we were like, oh, okay. Thanks, and, mate. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it was it was awkward because we just it was it was hard to uh, it was hard to have a conversation. Yeah, that was um, challenging to watch. Yeah, um, I noticed some people are like, "This feels like a struggle session," but it's like, huh. The reason, see, uh, everyone that criticized us for how we conducted that interview completely misunderstood. But lots of people think that we got triggered. By you guys didn't seem upset. No, no, we weren't upset at all. <laughs> but what what we do is, if you say something that doesn't make sense, yeah. we're going to follow up to work out questions. why it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so when we were asking about why she had Nick Fuentes on, her questions, her answers to our questions made less and less sense with every answer. So we were like, well, let's keep digging. Let's find out what's going on. Um, yeah. and, and, and asking why you had Nick Fuentes on, if you've apologized for it, 
It's a perfectly legitimate question. It's not us being upset about her. She's allowed to have anyone on that she wants. Yeah. But we're allowed to ask why she had him on. And, and so that was all. But anyway, my, my, my point is, you if you're choosing the people that you want to follow, yeah. whose advice you want to listen to, in my opinion, the wisest thing to do is look at their life and go, do I want my life to look like this? Yeah. And if you look at Andrew Tate's life, if you're a teenager, I'm sure that's very appealing. But once you kind of get past that, that's not a great life. Well, even if you want a meaningful relationship, like half of the half of the core pieces of advice that some of these people are giving, like for example, test your girlfriend, cheat on her. <laughs> in what in what world in what world is that is that logical to anybody? Yeah. Oh, you know, if she stays with you, she loves you. No, if she stays with you, she has Stockholm syndrome. Like this is this is not complicated. So in a way, it's it's almost like they're trying to create a subservient group of women and a free-to-do-whatever-they-want group of men. I'm confused by the women who follow these men because I think this is so counterintuitive to your existence. Mm. This is so odd. This is so denigrating. Yeah, they, they really confuse me. But you were a little bit in that direction at one point, right? I, I'm not saying this is a gotcha. I just want to explore why someone might behave that way. That's yeah, why I'm no. asking. Well, so this is, this is what I was saying previously, which is that I don't know if I was ever on this psycho plane of existence that mm. some of these other people operate. What I was hoping to do was call attention to issues that affect men and get into the weeds about the validity of how those men are affected. But I would always try to make the point of, well, you know, for example, like let's talk about um, men being like sexually assaulted, for example. It does happen, uh, well, it depends actually on the situation, but generally it does happen at a lower rate than women. Mm -hmm. um, or men going to prison, for example, for like really violent crime. If I was talking about a thing that related to men and women going to prison, I would say, you know, like shorter prison sentences that women often get for the same crime. I would always make the point, well, women actually don't commit violent crime. Women commit this kind of crime and this is why, you know, sometimes you mm -hmm. see a difference in whatever. So I'd always try to at least caveat and say, this is why these things are different, even though it appears to be unfair to men or men are being mistreated in whatever capacity. Um, I think the I think the ideology for me was that I just genuinely don't want the men around me and the men I love and men in my extended circle to feel bad. I don't want them to feel how I currently feel as a woman in the right wing space. I don't want them to feel like that ever in existence. And so that's why it was really important for me to talk about this. But I was never on the same wavelength as these people. Like I was never like the women are the hoes and you gotta you gotta chain her to the stove, sir. Like, no, I was never on that wavelength and I never could be. So, do you think, Sydney, it could be this? I think maybe someone spoke about it, I don't know, but if you go on social media, you feel emotions over a period of what, half an hour to maybe an hour that you would only get in the most intense months of your life. Yeah. You might feel the need to cry. You will get angry. You will laugh hysterically. You'll get triggered. You'll want to get into an argument and a debate. And if you look at what Andrew does, it's not really about the cerebral. It's about emotion. Look at this body. Don't you want this body? Yeah. This is how you get this body. Don't you want this car? You want this car. This is how you get this car. Look at look at this babe in a bikini. Don't you want the babe in the bikini? The, and it's it's nothing to do with this. It's all to do with 
activating the gut and essentially the lizard part of the brain that lives inside, you know, every human being, but certainly inside every man. Yeah, no, I think that's a great observation. I would put it back to you guys as actual men. Do you think that that more emotional side of things actually appeals to men a lot more? Because I love it how people always say, and they say this especially in relation to the women shouldn't vote repeal the 19th, which is like... <laughs> And I, I have uh, tried not to come at people over this, especially like some, again, other female commentators who say this crap. I'm like, well, maybe you should lead by example, ma'am, and take yourself off the internet if you really don't think that women should have a say in political discussions. Okay. Um, but so people always make the argument women are too emotional. I would make the argument everyone's emotional. It just depends on the issue. And men and women display emotions totally differently. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to what you're describing, that sort of visceral response that men get to seeing, you know, the beautiful woman or wanting the six pack or wanting the pretty car, whatever the case is, do you think that that's actually their natural inclination? I, I look, testosterone is a status seeking hormone. Men are driven to be high status. We just are. It's why we work. It's why we take risks. It's why we seek money, career, et cetera, et cetera. What I think Tate does very interestingly is he offers shortcuts. Yeah. And I think that's the, the genius, the dark genius of Andrew Tate is I'm going to show you the shortcut in order to get all of these things that Lizard Brain wants. And the shortcut is escaping the matrix. Because if you're plugged into the matrix, yeah. then you're never going to achieve these things. Or if you are, it's going to take a long time and you're going to be struggling and no one's going to give you respect but if you but you know if you join this app or whatever it is that he's offering you're going to get all of this and i would say there is a way to steel man the argument that he's making which is if you abstract yourself from this idea of the matrix and you just go well there is a system in in which you are told certain things that you're supposed to believe mm -hmm. that are blatantly not true right and you've been marinating in this crap at school at university, in the media, etc. Escaping that matrix is not a bad thing. It's a question of what you then do with that, right? And uh, I also think to answer your question, men, just like women, are different, right? We had Ayla, um, the, she's an escort and OnlyFans model in here uh, a few days ago. And she's just, her brain's just wired differently. Yeah. It's just wired differently, right? Oh, that's interesting. You can just tell. Mm -hmm. So it's not... She, I mean, the, the the most amazing part of the interview to me was because we're like two normies trying to wrap our head around her her lifestyle and everything that she does, and then I went, you know, you make a hundred grand a month on OnlyFans. She makes a hundred k. Not every month. Are you ready to go? <laughs> <laughs> you you reconsidering your career? <laughs> no. Uh, she she makes at some points 100k a month. I do it with the feet photos. <laughs> I, would, I would if I didn't feel the weird shame about it. Oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, we toes. talked about feet a lot. That is a weird fetish. Yeah, it is. Feet it's, is a weird fetish. Yeah, well, a lot of people have got it. I mean, there's a couple people who. A lot uh, of people have herpes though. It's nothing to be <laughs> proud of. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't get the feet thing. Like, no. I don't understand no, the allure no. of feet. I mean, I think there's odd things about men and women that we find attractive that are not conventionally attractive. Yeah. But feet, I don't get it. Like, I have, there's a couple people who, I mean, like, no shame to them. Like, hey, if this is your thing, so be it. That email me a lot. Just please, just one little toe, Sid. And I'm like, no toes. 
I'll pay you, I'll give you money and I'm like... Thousand pounds, I'll give you any photo of my toes that you want. I just don't think I have cute feet and so I don't want to send them to somebody. Yeah. They're, they're... Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, did you have another point on feet? No, I just... I, I, I do judge, look, you shouldn't, you should be open-minded. No, no, it's shameful and you should be, you should be, you should feel terrible. Absolutely. And if you are one of those people, don't Email talk us, we'll give, we'll give it to you for money. Yeah. It's no problem. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to say that because you're actually going to get emails. Yeah, but I'm happy. I'll send a Would picture. Would you do it? Would yeah, you send you I don't give a fuck. Just, just a little, little Yeah. I couldn't get, no, look, there's a lot of perverts out there and I'm happy to help them yeah. for money. It's fine. <laughs> um, no, my point is, so Ayla, I said to her, you make loads of money on OnlyFans mm -hmm. and you still do escorting. Does she have rela like sexual relations with the people that she... Yes. Oh. She, has she has sex. Yeah, I don't she know has about sex. sexual relations. Well, does she, you know, yeah. She some, has sex with them. Okay, because some people just hang out. No, 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 no. She, I mean, she does some hanging out, but she also has sex with them. So what I was saying was she gets paid a shit ton of money on OnlyFans, but she still, and I was like, so you, st you like, that means to me, you don't need the money, really. You must like it. And she's like, you know, some people are wired differently, right? Yeah. Some people want to be Genghis Khan. Some people want to have a harem. Yeah. Some people are like that. Never been an appeal to me. My thing, I, when I was a young man, 17, 18, I thought I need to find the woman that I'm going to marry, marry her and be together for the rest of our lives. Aww. And we met at 18, married at 20, been together ever since, right? I've never, I don't want the shiny car. I mean, maybe if I go fully bald, I will get one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I never wanted that. that never, Wait, why does the going fully bald mean that you... Oh, it's compensation. That's, yeah, that's what security. I mean. You just... Get plugs. You just go turkey and have the turkey yeah, schmidt stick turkey. things in your you, head. You can't, mate. This isn't a fucking personal <laughs> intervention. <laughs> but it's a compensation mechanism that men will often use, particularly in middle age. They'll get a fast car, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Never appealed to me. Uh, Is that all. not to just sort of like relive though the fun and excitement of like their twenties? Or is it, you think it's to compensate? I think it's, it's, I think it's a combination of the two. I think sometimes we live, the older you get, the more routine that your life becomes. Yeah. And because it has to, because you have a job, you have responsibilities. Yeah. And sometimes getting in a car and, you know, going in a sports car and going at a fast speed, that's invigorating. Makes you feel young, maybe. He doesn't have a driving license. I don't have a driving license. Do you actually not? No. Oh my God, I bet you love the tube. No. I'm learning how to drive. How to drive I hate rapidly. the tube and I hate public transport because it never works because we're in the UK. Anyway. Yes. So my point is, I think men are wired differently like women. However, uh, I, I suspect that the lifestyle that um, people like Andrew Tate are advocating would not be satisfying to most men. Yeah. In terms of their deep internal well-being. It, it, it's, it raises your status and makes you feel like a king and a conqueror and whatever for a while. But, you know, there's a lot of evidence from like one night stands and stuff. Men don't feel good about them either. Yeah. Women just feel disgust and shame and whatever. But on most of them, some don't, some are wired differently. But with men, it's the same, actually. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make you happy. No, you're, uh, that, this is why um, one of the things that's been really interesting now that I have a handful of Radfem friends that have come about with, you know, both of us hating 
the current state of affairs when it comes to like the trans movement and whatnot, the way that it, it presents women. One of the most interesting things that one of those women has pointed out to me is that casual sex doesn't benefit women. It certainly doesn't benefit anybody, but it certainly doesn't benefit women. And we've almost been conditioned to think that this disgusting feeling that you experience after you've done something physical with someone that you don't really like all that much or that you know you don't see, you know, you're not gonna be in a relationship with them, you have no interest in pursuing something, whatever, whatever. We've been taught that that feeling of revulsion is normal and that, oh, that's just how it goes. You know, you're just being free, you're doing all the things, you're experiencing life. Well, it's like, I don't know why you would ever want to promote that for either sex. And I'm not certainly one of these people that says that you have to marry the first kid that you date out of high school. Like, no, go and experience life, that's fine, whatever that looks like to you. But I just think it's like, be mindful of, of what you're doing to yourself and like the little bits of your soul that you're giving away every time you do something that actually doesn't make you feel good, but you convince yourself is a, is a benefit. So it's just sad, it's just sad. This wanting to sleep with eight billion women thing is mm. sad. The one thing I have to add at some point in this interview, and I guess it's going to be here, is this preoccupation that everybody also has with body counts is revolting to me. Yes. I don't know if you guys feel oh, similarly. You see it online all yeah. the time. I'm so yeah. over it because I think to myself, if you are actually going to judge somebody, because let's say that someone was, I don't know, had a, like, a male friend of mine, for example, we've talked about this. He's had relations with many, many, many women, many more than he would like. And he said that the primary reason he did that was because he was so insecure, he felt so unlovable, that he just did, did his thing and then never spoke to them again. And he said, I would never want someone to judge me based on that number because that's not representative of who I am now. And I think that that's so true for a lot of people, but this odd desire to know everything about your partner is so weird to me. It's so weird. Like there are some things I think that can be personal. I don't yeah. know why this, it's just even, even calling it a body count is so disrespectful because it basically takes this intimate act and totally denigrates it. Hey Francis, do you use a VPN to protect your privacy and your data online? Of course not, mate. I've got nothing to hide. Francis, I've used your laptop and you've got plenty to hide. Not least what looks like a new species of fungus on the keyboard. It's such a hassle though. What, cleaning your keyboard? No, getting a VPN. That's why you need to use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN gets rid of all the things you hate about VPNs. It's how a VPN should be. It's super fast. Lots of other VPNs slow your connection to the point where it's not even worth it to connect. But ExpressVPN doesn't lag or buffer. You can stream in HD with no issues. And using it couldn't be easier. Just open the ExpressVPN app, click one button, and enjoy instant protection across all your devices. Once you connect to ExpressVPN, you don't even realize you have it on. But your connection is secure, your data is encrypted, and you can change your location so you can have access to content available outside your region. What kind of content do you want to access on the download, Francis? I want to know what are the best products to get rid of mold on my laptop that will provide a thorough deep clean without damaging the delicate electronics. Good answer, even though it is a complete lie. Check out ExpressVPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash trigger and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN completely free. That's expressvpn.com slash trigger to get three extra months of ExpressVPN. expressvpn.com slash trigger. That is interesting because women 
are more interested in their partner's past. Like, if I'm dating a woman, I don't want to know what she did before I met I her. I think you're the exception, though. Really, I genuinely, like, yeah. I just want it to be like, you know, like in a Men in Black, bang, I don't know. And I don't want to know. <laughs> you can do what you, what you did and whatever else. Yeah. And that was you in the past. I don't want to know and I don't care. Yeah. No, I, I will confess, same. I would definitely want to know. Would you? Yeah. Would it change and something I, for you? I have no idea because it's a hypothetical I'm never going to experience, but... Um, it's count your blessings. Yes, uh, touch wood or whatever. But um, w I think, from an evolutionary perspective, I do understand it because um, m there is a reason cultures tend to obsess about virginity, historically speaking. Yeah, it's about ensuring that um, you know promiscuity in a, in, a, in a woman is very very bad for the man because it's about paternal certainty, right? Okay, yeah, if that your makes wife sense. is a "Quote unquote slut," or the partner you're gonna. I I don't like that word. I'm just using. No, it in I, I, I get commas, it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, if uh, then the risk to the man is very high from a gene perspective because yeah. you're going to be raising someone else's kid as a man. Biologically speaking, that's a terrible place to be, right? Um, so men have always obsessed about virginity and all of that. Now, it doesn't make logical sense because the fact that a woman has had sex with 10 men before you changes nothing. Right. But you might argue it's a marker of her potential behavior in the future. You could, but... I, I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying people yeah. obsessing about body counts is the right thing. I'm just saying I see how that might come about from yeah. our evolutionary past. Do you see what I I'm think saying? You, yeah, no, of course. No, and what you say about the paternal thing makes total sense. I think, though, we don't, we don't live in that current climate. I mean, I get it from... It's an inbuilt thing, but then I think that to a large extent we kind of override some of those natural processes yeah. because logically we go, I know if someone has had a child or not because they are, okay, have one. It's physically here and I know it's not mine. Um, I guess it's more for me just this, this odd obsession with using these things that men do as well, that both sexes do, but using it as like a shaming mechanism, yeah. I just find that so strange because it's, I don't have any problem with someone seeking out someone who's had fewer sexual partners. Like, I'm not going to judge you for having a preference. That's okay. Mm. I'm someone who actually doesn't, I don't care. I don't want to know. I'm, I'm just like you. I do not want to know. Do not tell me. It's none of my bloody business. Mm. And I feel that way um, as well, you know, in relation to being asked. It's none of your damn business. Mm. Because everything prior to what happened before you and me in our relationship that's past. Like, we're done. Unless it's something pertinent that you need to know. Like, you know, someone has a venereal disease or something, which mm. I, you know, obviously you, you should disclose that type of information. But yeah, it's just, it's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird to me. And they go on about it so much too. That's, I guess, another thing that I notice is everyone makes it like a central part of the conversation. And I think none of this instigates respect. And I think that if you're going to actually ameliorate relationships between men and women, perhaps the starting point should be building a foundation of mutual respect. Do you think it might be the Madonna whore, the, uh, the Madonna uh, Mary Magdalene kind of thing? You know, do you see what I mean? That a woman is either a whore or she yeah, is like a, a trad wife who should be respected, who does nothing yeah. but look after the children and bake all day and look incredibly beautiful and buxom at the same time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, of course, yeah. It's, it, yeah, there is kind of that dichotomy emerging, isn't it? Yeah. Um, one of the saddest things, and, and I want to be clear, I don't want all like right-wing conservative men to get roped up in my present feelings about the conservative movement, because I do recognize that the men that we're talking about, these people, and there's women too, these people that we're talking about are a fraction 
they're a very loud fraction and they think they're growing, but they are quite small. And I think your average person probably thinks like we do, regardless of sort of how they vote politically or think politically overall. My issue with the dichotomy that you're talking about is it leaves like no room for just people being people. And again, it's this thing where it's like, if the woman does it, it's such a horrible negative. She's all these things. She's a slut. She's a whore. You know, send her to the island. But if a man is to do it based on the way that these men feel about it, it's just them, you know, being masculine, just them yeah. exerting their, themselves onto the world. And I think that's just, yeah, again, it's just, I find a lot of this really unhelpful. Yeah, well, it is. And I, I know that you've had some personal experiences lately that probably have changed how you view yeah. the way the right in particular treats women. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my experiences have definitely colored my view of everything. Um, I went through a period probably towards the end of last year, the beginning of this year, where I just felt mad all the time. Because so what happened, Sydney? Tell people who, who may not be aware. So I, uh, I don't know how much detail I can go in just because of the legal components mm. to this, but I was involved um, with a co-host on a show with a network, a conservative network. And my experience was extremely, extremely negative. I felt like there was a lot of treatment that went on that was negative because I'm a woman. And I never experienced that previously, which is why a lot of my you know, earlier viewpoints were I was much more likely to call out silly things that I saw happening from women, whereas now I kind of get where they're coming from. And I never had that previously. And so now I'm definitely colored by it. I don't like that I'm colored by it, though, because I don't want to be ever one of these women who comes at life from this solely personal vantage point is always passing judgment on whatever situation based on my own independent experiences and my own, you know, traumas, so to speak. I don't know a better word. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, well, you don't want to be walking around with a with, set with of shit-stained glasses. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. I don't want to be and go, like all that. men are whatever. Yeah. Because it's not all men, it's one guy in this case, right? Of course. Well, I mean, it's, 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 yes, in that case, one, I mean, my experience is, to be honest with you, now that I've sort of, if I can be honest about it, there's there's a lot of people like this that exist in the world. Yeah. Again, I don't think that they outnumber the normal people. I always, you know, I really do believe that normal people make up the majority. Um, they just don't concern themselves with a lot of this. But I do think that there are some really toxic elements and really messed up elements of the right wing. But people don't understand that these experiences that I had are feeding into how I presently feel and presently talk about the environment that I'm in, this political environment. The worst part is, and this kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier with relation to, you know, relationships and body counts and blah, blah, blah. I have a couple girlfriends, um, one of whom is a, is a decently well-known pundit, so to speak, and she did all the right things. Married, babies, blah. And she feels like she got such a crappy deal because she tried to do everything by the book exactly how they tell you to do it. You know, you find the person, you get married, you have the kids, you try to be the stay-at-home wife, you try to do all these things. And her partner ended up doing some not okay things in the relationship, abandoned the relationship, and now she's here holding these pieces and she's going, I don't know how, I don't know how to reconcile these two things. I don't know how to reconcile the way my life used to be, the way that I used to think about the world, and now these broken pieces that I have. How do I put this all together to form a coherent 
understanding of what's going on around me. And I feel like that sometimes too, where I, I kind of look at all the things that went down, all the things that happened, and all the people who get on the internet and say, you're a liar and you're a feminist and you're just making this up, you know, in order to, to further your own ends, which just, by the way, if a woman, uh, particularly on the right wing, talks about a, a negative experience, particularly that relates to sexual harassment or anything like that, there's kind of no net positive that comes out of that yeah, because you, you can't win. You're automatically disbelieved. And yeah. even if you prove that your situation actually happened as you said it happened, everyone will continue to call you a feminist because you spoke out in the first yeah. place. And so this is why I said before, I don't want men to ever feel how I currently feel. And this is why, you know, I, I did my men's rights stuff and I still really care about that. But it's also why now I'm so aggressively like, listen, there are some significant bloody issues on the right wing that we have to fix because if we don't, you're going to alienate the living crap out of women. You will never have the support of, of normal everyday women because they're feeling alienated. The men then feel alienated because they're like, why are you behaving like this? And it just makes things so much worse. So Yeah, it's, it's a problem with the left as well, with the left wing where you get... Yeah. All these people going, you know, hashtag believe all women, I'm a feminist. And then behind closed doors, there's a bit of gropey grope going on. There's a lot of that on the left, like yeah. a lot. Yeah, and, and we saw it with our, with our industry. So do, do you think it's a good time to be a woman at the moment, Sydney? Um, yes and no. Um, yes, like overall, I think that yeah, we Historic perspective, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not too bad. I was yeah. going to say, like, There's I don't have to worse. wear a burqa. Um, I can basically drive a car yeah. uh, badly, but that's okay. Yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah, from a historical standpoint, of course, like we're living through one of the greatest periods of human history. Um, I think that by and large, relations between men and women are pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, do I think that there are some things that need to be addressed? Yes. Do I think that that applies to both sides of the aisle? Yes. Do I think that applies to both sexes? Yes. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, like, cry about the fact that, you know, I, I have, you know, particular chromosomes. That makes my life more challenging. Where it sucks for us is the trans stuff. That's where it sucks. Um, and this weird, like, cohort of men that have come out of, like, the Andrew Tate red pill stuff. Like, I just, I want those men to just evaluate <laughs> where they're at and perhaps stop directing all their vitriol just at women. Like, some introspection might be good. All right, Sydney, you've mentioned it a number of times and no episode of Trigonometry is complete until we've talked about the trans stuff. The, 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 Does it always The ladies of Trigonometry, they demand trans. It, it's like a red-blooded red male who wants steak for dinner every night. Birds love trans. Birds love trans. Is the, is, we don't have to talk about it. Is the slogan of... But you brought it up a few times, so clearly it's important to you. Well, because it affects me. And I feel very strongly about it and I'm always trying to like reconcile that I have friends who are trans or, you know, who I respect, you know, people that I know who I respect who are trans. And I'm always trying to, like, reconcile <laughs> how frustrated I am because on in a lot of ways I think <laughs> I can't tar everyone with the same brush because that's just not how no. I want to live my life. But by the same token, I kind of want to. Like, I'm getting, I'm getting filled with disdain for a group of people that, you know, I'm sure there's a very large portion of them that just want to be left alone. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but we had Malice in, in here earlier today, and one of the things we talked about with him is essentially that once you get to the point where you're hurting children, yeah. people are going to lose 
all sense of nuance and they're right to. Yeah. Because if you are teaching kids whatever that, and we've had, you know, Carol Markowitz on the show to talk about what they're actually teaching in American schools. I'll be honest with you, lots of people are saying, you should move to Austin, you should move here, you should move here. One of the main reasons that I'm not interested is the education system in this oh, country. Oh yeah, it's terrible. I do not want my children to be exposed to that crap. Yep. Um, so the, once you get to that point, uh, I'm like, you know what? I don't give a fuck, fuck you. You know, and that's not a good place to be because no, that's it, there yeah. are plenty of trans people who are decent, respectful. They don't want to invade any spaces. They don't want children to be taught uh, to mutilate their body. You know, we've had a bunch of these people on the show. Yeah. And that's, again, an area where the, because the, these progressive ideas are getting taken to the extreme ideological conclusion, yeah. you get a backlash, which is something that we've always been concerned about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a natural response to being told for long enough that if you don't abide by someone else's view of the world or how they want to be viewed in the world, you're a bad person. And I think it's kind of funny because men don't get smacked with this quite as much as women do. Mm -hmm. um, I think really the only area that men kind of get really messed up is when it comes to dating. Like mm -hmm. if you're unwilling to be intimate with someone who's trans, like you're a bigot and you're all these things. But you know what? There's probably not many guys who no. would be like, I really give a shit what you think oh, about. Oh, that's the thing. I is men do not care. Yeah. Men yeah. don't care. Whereas yeah. the lesbians, I feel so bad. I have a couple of lesbian friends and they're constantly like, all of the dating apps are just full of biological dudes. And they're like, I just want to be with a woman. Just, I just want to be with a woman. Like, the end of the sentence. Uh, and I, I feel terrible. I feel terrible for the state of things. My primary issue, really... Uh, besides the ch the children thing, which is huge to me, like I I I've, I used to talk about it a lot, and I've kind of peeled back a bit because, to be honest with you, my heart can't take it anymore. Mm. The pedophilia stuff and all, all this type of thing. Um, I used to cover so a you, lot of just, it. I've got my sort of how are people hearing this filter on. So I know you're not saying all trans people are pedophiles, just so people... Oh, I wasn't making the relationship. I, I know, I know you oh. are. So what are you talking about specifically? Oh, so, so I'm saying... Just, so just in case people make that connection oh, by accident. So... Previously, well, on my channel um, and just generally, I would always research particular areas of child abuse and pedophilia and whatnot to expose uh, particularly like minor attracted people and minor attracted people groups, as they call themselves. Yes, in order to uh, in order to basically shine a light and be like, here here is where this is happening. Please pay attention. Um, the second point to that, yeah, I probably probably didn't rightly articulate myself. The kids thing with relation to the trans stuff mostly comes from, I think, the LGBTQIA XYZ stuff that's being, you know, enforced on kids with the, hey, you know, if you think that you might be a boy, maybe maybe you are. Maybe you're not a tomboy. Maybe you're not just a, like an atypical girly girl or a girl who just likes stuff and has interests. Maybe you're a boy. That's the that's the trans component. I'm not, I don't think all trans people are pedophiles. I know, I, yeah. I know, I know. I just, I wanted that to be clarified <laughs> no, so people I, don't, yeah. you know how people I are. appreciate it. You know how people um, are. Yeah, but I, I think like as far as being a woman living through this odd, really odd period of time, my primary issue, besides the aforementioned, comes from the fact that nothing feels like, it doesn't feel like women have access to our own spaces. 
And so when we try to say, hey, I'm not comfortable with being called cis, I'm not comfortable with you calling me a birther, a breeder, a menstruator, a uterus haver, I'm not comfortable with any of this language. I'm not comfortable with the fact that I can't be sure that going into a bathroom or a change room or whatever, I'm not gonna come into contact with these people. And I've had these experiences where I, for some reason, the area that I live in, there's, I keep running into trans people, they're all over the place. And again, nine times out of 10, I'll be very kind to you. I've got no reason not to be. But as soon as I'm trying to go into a public restroom and I'm very, very obviously sensing that you're not a woman, I'm, I'm, like, I'm uncomfortable with that. And people have an issue with that. They go, why do you care what bathroom these people use? I mean, there's unisex bathrooms. They've always been a thing. Well, I'm not comfortable with men being in the same space as me, like in that capacity. I'm just not. I don't like it. I don't, I don't like unisex toilets. Ne oh, neither do I. I really never don't. Got it. I've never understood that. I went to this swanky restaurant with a mate of mine and I went to the gender neutral bathrooms and there was, and there was a, a woman there who was a mum with her young daughter and you know, they, they were doing things that you do with a young daughter. And I was walking through, I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to see this. I don't want to be around this. I shouldn't be here. You're right, mate. Your feelings are the most important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, but I get it. It's like this, this just discomfort in knowing yeah. that I mean, and, and I don't feel like this because I think that, you know, these people are going to attack me or something like that. But there's a pretty significant, substantial history, I think, that we've established that people will take advantage wherever they can. And if it's so easy to identify as the opposite sex and then gain access to their spaces, if you are somebody who is predatory, then who's to say that you're not going to take advantage of that and behave in that way? Like, I, I don't think that that's so far outside their own possibility. And this is why it's sad, because... You have normal trans people who are like, I feel intense discomfort with my physical body mm -hmm. and I do not want to be like this, who are trying to navigate this messed up existence that, that we're all going through and theirs is extra messed up because they have this psychological thing happening to them. Um, that's why I feel bad for those people because they get caught up in the genuinely terrible messaging and genuinely terrible behavior and genuinely terrible laws and all these type of things that get passed that impact regular people and impact women. Like, especially when it relates to the, the mother's thing mm -hmm. and babies and, you know, giving birth and these really, really hyper special things that relate specifically to women and specifically to mothers. The sort of... I guess undermining of that, I find that so unbelievably offensive. I mean, pretending that men and women aren't different has a lot of cascading side effects yeah, that, that come out of that. Sydney, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, the last question we always end with is what's the one thing that went, well, I say that, we're gonna go to locals and we're gonna ask you some questions from our audience. Uh, but before we do that, the one thing we always ask is what's the one thing that we're not talking about as a society that we really should be? I'm actually going to say the pill, the pill and hormonal imbalances in both men and women. I think that it accounts for so much of what we're seeing today. I think it accounts for a lot of the depression and anxiety and general mental disorders that you're seeing in women. And I think it's obviously having a flow on effect to men. And I think that that is a conversation that needs to be had. And then the caveat to that, the second part, is the casual sex element. This issue needs more attention. Head on over to Locals where we continue the conversation. When the COVID vaccine first came out, I think I remember Sydney speaking about being vaccine injured by the HPV vaccine. Yeah. I just wondered if it still affects her now. I hope not. And how much influence this has had on her being so outspoken about the COVID vaccine.
Before you go, consider joining our exclusive member feed. As a member, you'll get ad-free and extended interviews. Click the membership link in the podcast description or find the exclusive episodes link on your podcast listening app to join us.